Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. I'm a big Red Sox fan, and if you are a Red Sox fan like me, you know there's one trade. There's one trade that you will never get over, and it actually it's kind of crazy because, I mean, some of you might be a little older than me in the room, but none of us, none of us Red Sox fans in the room watching online were ever, ever actually even old enough to witness this trade, but still, we can never, ever, ever forget it. And to make it worse, it happened with our arch nemesis, the evil New York Yankees. The year was 1919. The year was 1919. And the Red Sox traded, uh, who some believe to be the greatest baseball player in history, Did you hear what I just said? They traded the greatest baseball player in history. He had already helped them win three World Series. Maybe you've heard of him. His name's Babe Ruth. Some of you don't even like baseball, and you've heard of Babe Ruth, okay? Right, right? And they traded him to the evil New York Yankees for nothing but money. And it it didn't look good at the time, but it really looks bad later as you examine the trade because Babe Ruth went on to become one of the greatest hitters of all time. He had 714 home runs. That's kind of a big deal. A Hall of Famer. And the Red Sox went on to lose and lose and lose some more. For 86 years, they could not win the World Series. In fact, some have called it the curse of the Bambino because it seemed like from the moment Boston made that terrible trade, they were cursed. Historians have called it the worst trade in Major League Baseball history. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back to our series, Beauty for Ashes. We serve a God who makes bad trades. I guess he's a little bit like the Red Sox, isn't he? Yeah, I knew God was a Red Sox fan. I can prove it now. Because look, 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 in Jesus, right? In Jesus, the message of Easter that kicked us off into the series, because of Jesus, God makes an incredible exchange, an unbelievable exchange. And do you know who benefited from this great lopsided exchange? You. You and me. We did. We did. Our series is focusing on this great exchange, and it's, it's Isaiah 61. And so if you've been with us, you know your, your Bible's already falling open there. But Isaiah 61, if you could turn there with me again briefly this morning, Isaiah is a prophetic word. These are words being written generations before Jesus would ever show up, generations before Easter became a reality. But Isaiah 61 is a Jesus text. It's a Jesus text because Jesus himself begins his public ministry in Luke chapter 4, pointing back to these words, pointing back to these words as the embodiment of what his ministry, of what his kingdom is all about. So we're camping out throughout this whole month in Isaiah chapter 61. And we're going to look just at verse 3 today. Look at it with me. It's on the screen behind me. This is what Isaiah 61 verse 3 says. It says, uh, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord 
for the display of his splendor. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. We've called this series, it's really about three bad trades and a consequence. I started today talking about a bad trade, a God who makes bad trades. And here in Isaiah 61, we see three bad trades and then the consequence of those bad trades. And so if you're with us on Easter, we looked at week one, the first of those trades. It was the trade of our ashes for his beauty. Specifically on Easter, we talked about the trade of death, our death, that because of sin, we deserve death. The punishment for sin is death, and that's what we deserve. But instead of that, God made a terrible trade, didn't he? We exchange our death, and we get life. That's the first of these three trades. Last week, last week, Pastor Billy led us specifically through trade number two, and that's the trade of our mourning and grief for his joy. And if you weren't here, this is what Pastor Billy said. He said, God is not waiting for us on the other side of our suffering. He meets us in our suffering. And right there, even in our mourning, God will trade you. He'll bring you joy. Today, week three, we're going to look at the third of these exchanges. Look at it with me again there in verse three. It says this, a garment of praise, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Let's look first at the second part of this exchange, this part, despair. Not just despair, a spirit of despair, a spirit of despair. Uh, The Hebrew term here for spirit is the word ruah. Just say it out loud. It'll be fun. Ready? Say it. Ruah. Some of you didn't really want to say it. You kind of grumbled at me. I get it. It's fun, right? Ruah, that word, Hebrew word for spirit. Some of you will say it on the way home and no one's watching. Ruah. That's good, right? It's the spirit. And literally, that word spirit, it's the sense of something that's descending upon you. Some of us are familiar with that, right? When we talk about despair, specifically a spirit of despair, it's like when sorrow or anxiety moves in on us and it just won't go away. The feeling of fear or anxiety or chronic sadness, it moves in. See, see, mourning, we talked about that last week, that tends to be more event-driven. But the spirit of despair, that, that's, it kind of descends upon us. We feel shadowed or haunted by the sharp sense of this sadness and it won't go away. So today we're, we're going to talk about this idea of a spirit of despair. And as we do that, I want to pause for a minute. I want to pause for a minute and acknowledge, acknowledge some lies that we believe when we talk about this idea of despair, something that many of us in this room, many of us online can relate to. I want to acknowledge a couple lies that we believe. And, and this is the first. We believe, we believe this lie that if I'm in Christ, if I'm in Christ, I won't have despair. And if that's you today, uh, many of us, we've been damaged by kind of poor theology that's kind of taught us if you would just have enough faith, you wouldn't have despair in your life. And if that's ever been spoken over you, I just want to let you know that's not true. That's a lie today. Some of you might believe there's something wrong with me because of the despair that you feel in your heart even now and today. I want you to have some freedom I want you to walk in freedom. But another lie, another misconception that we believe is we believe that faith in Christ is a quick fix to our despair, right? So, so maybe we have despair and we just think, I'll come to Jesus and suddenly it will all be gone. And oftentimes 
That's a lie too. That's a lie too. Can the Lord heal you? Absolutely. And today, there are men and women in this room as a part of this faith community that could stand up and testify of God healing them from anxiety and depression, things like that. We believe in divine healing. We don't apologize for that. But often, often God brings healing along the journey. God uses other people. He uses professionals. He uses godly community and counseling. And yes, even medicine at times to help us walk through our despair. And so I just want to lay that foundation today as we talk about what God's word says about our despair and how, how there's a great exchange available to us. I want us to know at the foundation what is true. So what is true? Well, first, I want you to hear this. I want you to know that you're not alone. If you can resonate with this feeling of despair, this feeling of sadness or anxiety that just moves in and you can't shake it, I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know I have had seasons of my life that feel like despair. And maybe what you've experienced is more intense or harder or more painful. I'm not here to compare. I'm not here to say I know how you feel. I'm just simply acknowledging today that you're not alone. And I see you, and even more importantly, this is what I want you to know, God sees you today. In your despair, God sees you. He sees you. So what is true? I wanted to lay some foundations on what is not true about our despair. What is true today? Well, it's a beautiful exchange. Look again at the text. It's simple. It's laid out right here by the prophet Isaiah. The exchange is this, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So, so talk about an exchange, right? We get this part. We understand this part. Some of us are living in this part, but today there's an incredible exchange offered to us, and it is instead of this, we get this. Instead of settling for this, God offers us this. Because of the cross and because of Jesus, we should have this, but instead we get this. It's a beautiful exchange. It's a beautiful exchange. What is, what is this garment of praise. Isaiah 61, it kind of sets it up that praise is the opposite of despair. We may not always think of it that way, but it's true. And as, as we dive in and understand a little bit more of what this is, I want to draw us back to the Psalms. If you're not familiar, the Psalms are a great portion of our Old Testament. And really, if I were to describe the Psalms to you, I would say the Psalms are a collision of despair and anxiety and fear with praise. That's what the Psalms are. That's why, that's why I love them. Look at just one with me. I'm going to have it on the screen. Psalm 40. Just three verses, but I want you to see in these three verses, the psalmist David, how he's understanding deep despair in his life, but yet praise is still present. Look, look at it with me. Psalm 40, verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pits, out of the mud and mire. That sounds like despair, doesn't it? A slimy pit, mud, mire. Have you ever been there before? If you have, you, that feels like despair, doesn't it? The pit of mud and mire. But then look what comes next. He says, he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. And then what comes next? It may be something you're not expecting when you're talking about despair. Verse 3 says this, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise 
to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. See the exchange we're talking about today. It's not a moment of praise, not something that we pick up and set aside. No, no, no. No, what does it say in Isaiah? A garment of praise. The Hebrew word here is like something that is wrapped around you. I don't know what you relate to, but I think of my comfy sweatpants, right? Not the sweatpants you'd wear out in public. No, no, no. These are, are so comfortable. They've been worn so many times. They're falling apart in certain areas, and they're never meant for public, you know, visual, right? But at home, when you put them on, there's something comfort. Maybe for you, it's a bathrobe. Maybe it's an unsightly pair of slippers. I don't know what it is, but each of us have our thing, right? And you put it on, and it's like, it's like a comfort. It's being wrapped around you. It's something that you wear, that you put on, and it doesn't easily go off unless you want it to. That's the image here that we're talking about. In fact, in fact, I brought something with me. Don't, don't get real nervous here. This is going to get weird for just a second, but I promise we'll be okay. I brought with me my own garment of praise because I just want you to see what we're talking about today. We're talking about something that you put on, something actually, get this, God puts it on us. And that it's not something you just pick up one moment and put down. It's something literally that's wrapped around you, even in despair, that you wear along with you throughout your day. A garment of praise. This is like a dad joke on a shirt, right? A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is the visual I want you to have. Not me, not me, not really that, but, but this, this is something that, that God places around you and you carry with you, walks with you on your way to work, when, when you walk in the door, when, when you come home in your community, in the hallways of your school, a garment of praise. And so, so I want to I spend the rest of the time that we have together painting a picture of this incredible exchange. What is this garment of praise really about? Well, really, it's about renewal. Why? Why? Why is, clearly, according to the word... According to the word, praise is the antidote for our despair. It's the antidote for our despair. And some of us hear that and we think, oh yeah, the quick fix, sign me up. That's not it. But what is, what is happening when we praise? What is happening even in our despair when we praise? Well, renewal is happening. As a church, as a church, we have a mission. And we articulate our mission this way, transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. If you've been here, you've heard it, you're going to keep hearing it because that's our mission. That informs all, all that we do, all that we strive to be, to be transformed by God. And that word transformation, it's about renewal. And, and that's what's happening when we praise. Wearing this robe, this garment of praise, it requires intentionality. Listen, listen again, this is a different psalm, Psalm 103. Just listen to David as he, as he speaks to himself, as he speaks to his own heart. It says this, praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Did you catch that? David is seeking renewal and he speaks to his own soul. He's preaching to himself. He's saying, he's saying, praise the Lord, my soul, right? There's despair there. There's a battle being waged there. But he intentionally says, no, 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 praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. He forgives all your sin and heals your disease, and he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's something about Psalm 103 that reminds me of Isaiah 
61, David is telling his soul, praise him, praise him. He's reminding himself of who God is and what he has done. Praise is God's antidote for despair. And for many of us, praise is the last resort. But instead, instead today, our God wants to offer you an incredible exchange even in your despair. What does this renewal involve? I believe it involves a lot. I think when we praise, it renews our focus. It renews our focus. Praise, what does it do? It takes the focus off of us. And in despair, understandably so, what does despair do? All we can do is is see the bad and the hurt and the anxiety and the fear in us. But when we praise, it takes the focus for just a minute off of us. And it puts it on God. One writer, the Psalm 103 that I just read, uh, she paraphrases it this way. She says, get on with it, O my soul. You were created to look outside of yourself to the one who made you, the forgiver of your sins, the author of your joy, your constant companion who delights in you. Don't even think of checking your Facebook or shopping the clearance rack. Repeat after me. I love that interpretation of Psalm 103 because what happens when we praise, it takes the focus off of us or off the things that we turn to, to self-medicate, to distract, to alleviate just that moment of fear and anxiety. But God's saying, I I have something so much greater. I'm going to clothe you in a garment of praise. It renews our mind. Praise actually renews our mind. The Apostle Paul said it this way, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that the transformation that many of us seek in our lives doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. And and, and when we praise, God begins to transform even our mindset. In Psalm 42, uh, David writes this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Man, i got to tell you, there's times where I come to the Lord and I feel that way. And I'm crying out saying, God, why? Why am I so disturbed? Why am I so downcast? Why am I in despair? But look at what he says. He says, but I will put my hope in you, God. I will yet praise God. You, my Savior and my God. You see that even in despair. He's choosing praise and he's choosing, he's choosing for his mind to be renewed, to be set not on his problems and not on his challenges. Many of them might be real, but instead to have his mind renewed and focused on the God who loves him, my Savior, my God. You know, when we praise, it renews, it renews your time. This is crazy. But in Psalm 119, it says this, seven times a day I praise you. What if your day was ordered, not by your to-do list, and not by your calendar, and not by what's for lunch, what's for dinner, what do we, what if your day was actually ordered by praise? That praise was like the important thing, and you got other stuff to do, you got to work, you got to, but, but, but what if praise was so important, a garment of praise, that, that literally you ordered your day around it because you knew it's the only hope I have in despair, is praise. It's praise. You see, don't wait Don't wait until you feel like praising because perhaps when you don't feel like praising is when you need to the most. It's just the beginning. This renewal begins to work in every part of us, every part of us, our passions and our dreams and our priorities. This renewal that happens as God clothes us in this garment of praise and we're renewed, we're transformed from the inside out. 
I love the story in, in Acts chapter 16. Uh, the, the book of Acts is, is, an, is an incredible account of, of the early church, the church being born through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is resurrected back to life, and he commissions his followers to go, and they do. And, and the book of Acts is this incredible journey of how the church comes alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's two men in Acts chapter 16, a Paul and Silas, and they were proclaiming the name of Jesus, and, and that was not necessarily a good thing, at least not to the authorities. They put him in jail. And there they sit, chained up in the jail, probably facing a death sentence because of their crimes, for their refusal to listen, to honor the authorities, instead choosing to honor God. And there, in Acts chapter 16, you know what it doesn't say in Acts chapter 16? It doesn't say that God shows up in the room and then they start praising. You know what happens in Acts chapter 16? They're chained up all alone, Death is all but a certainty. And you know what they start doing? Even as they're chained up, even in despair, they start praising. Right then. Right then. When they don't see a way out, when there's seemingly no hope, they start praising. And then, Acts 16 says, then, oh, there's an earthquake and everything splits open and suddenly they're free. In fact, I wrote it down this way. They did not praise God because he showed up. God showed up because they praised him. Literally, you know what the scripture says? That God inhabits the praise of his people. And so we can't ignore the fact that when we start praising God, stuff is happening. It's happening in us. It's happening around us. And we can't see it. And we can't always explain it. And we don't praise so that, you know, insert praise. Actually get to, It's not like in a math equation. But just know this, that when praise happens, praise starts something happening in me, something happening out outside of me that I can't always understand. We don't praise God because he shows up. God shows up because we praise. When we praise, maybe today in your despair, you're desperate for God to show up. And he wants to clothe you in a garment of praise. And you don't feel like it. You don't really see how this is going to end. But as you start to praise, God's going to show up. He's going to show up in your heart. He's going to show up in your circumstances. And everything, everything's not going to magically change, but the presence of the living God, he wants to exchange a spirit of despair. He wants to take that and offer you instead a garment of praise throughout this series. Throughout this series, we've been wanting to share with you real stories of real people because this is true. This is true because God's word says it, but it's also true because it's happening in the lives of your brothers and sisters here in this faith community. And so each and every week, we want to show you a story, a story of transformation, a story of renewal, a story of of how this great exchange is happening. And so today we want to offer the story of Shannon. Shannon's been a part of our church now for a few years, and God is transforming his life. Shannon understands despair. Even today, he understands that spirit of despair. But even, even within that, He's learning what it is to praise. He's learning what it is to experience God's renewal, even in the midst of his despair. This is his story we wanted to share with you today. My name is Shannon Breeden. I'm 47 years old. I'm from a little town uh, down the road, Kieseltown. I lost my mom at four, lost my dad at 19. Um, I didn't really have a direction. I went in my own direction. I didn't have no one to teach me compassion, no one to teach me the truth, no one to show me the way. So as my life has progressed, um, 
I've had to learn everything the hard way. I still do occasionally. And um, I found out that the only way to live your life is through the Lord. Um, I love to bless people. I love to help people. And, you know, I suffer from a great deal of depression, anxiety, which is slowly dissipated because I'm putting a lot more devotion into the Lord, the Scripture, and um, the church. It's helped me dramatically. You know, talking about anxiety, anxiety comes from when, just as I said a little bit earlier, you don't have any guarantees. You don't have no direction. You don't have no one to really fall back on um, but yourself because you're worrying about this, you're worrying about that. You know, I run a small business, so then you worry about the next job, the next dollar. You worry about this, you worry about that, and it creates anxiety. The things you ingest into your body, whether it's things you watch, things you listen to, so on and so forth. It's taken a long time for me to finally realize all these things are very much important. As a kid, you're supposed to be taught these things with the right upbringing. If there's no one there to bring you up, how are you going to be told and, you know, these things? So I found out the best teacher is the Lord. If you put it in the Lord's hands, you know, there's a old song, and I don't recollect exactly what it is. Um, all I can recant is, he has the whole world in his hands. Now, 40-some years later, I understand more of what that means. Before, I never knew any of that. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of bad things, but I know that I've been forgiven for all these things because I've begged, pleaded, and asked for forgiveness for these things. Um, it's amazing what the Lord can do to you to change your life. The only way to ever understand it is to experience it. As I've said before, a lot of people don't are not comfortable with things they cannot feel, touch, or see. But when you feel it in your heart and you know it in your mind, it's a beautiful thing. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect, and no one's perfect. But you have to just take it day by day, minute by minute, because tomorrow's not guaranteed. But with that being said, if you have the Lord in your life, you know that you'll be all right. It's taken me my whole life. I wish I had started this walk a long time ago. The amazing things I could have probably have done, I can't take that back, but I know the exciting things that I will do. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, you know, helping more people, blessing more people, getting more familiar with the Word, Scripture, and um, I'm just thankful to be blessed with the people that I'm now acquainted with that I never was before. It's a blessing. Uh, so anyway, one of the things that I realized is John 14 is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the only way that I live my life. That's the only way I can live my life. There's no other way to live your life. I've done tried to live my life every other way that you can live it, except for the way that I'm living it now. And I'm happy inside. And I probably have even a different, you know, persona because of just that, you know, that people can tell that, you know, the Holy Spirit is in me and working. So... That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> there's one more psalm. I mean, there's 150 of them, so we won't get to all of them today. But it's one of my favorites. I think it's a perfect description of praise. Even in despair. Even when you're in the dungeon, like Paul and Silas. Where, where, 
You're not on the other side of despair yet. You're in despair. It's Psalm 43, and psalmist says it this way. He says, magnify the Lord with me. I brought this incredibly large magnifying glass with me. And it, all of us, even from grade school, we know the purpose of this, right? It is it's to make it bigger. So you can see, some of us need this to read now. You know, I get it. But the purpose of the magnifying glass is, is to, to enlarge something, to make it bigger. And literally, what does the psalmist say about praise? He says, magnify the Lord with me. It's this communal language. It's that this praise actually is not even meant to be done just in isolation. It's this invitation to magnify. Today, what is it in your life that you're magnifying? Because I promise you, there's moments and days and seasons in my life where I'm magnifying what I feel. And, and maybe some of that is justified and maybe some of that's okay. But if I spend my life just magnifying me and magnifying what I feel, I'm going to live a pretty miserable life. Some of us today, we're, we're really busy magnifying our circumstances. And I get it. Your circumstances are hard. The name of the one. The name of the one who gave himself for us. The name of the one who makes this ridiculous trade possible. Our despair traded for praise. Let's magnify his name together. Would you stand? We're going to do that right now. We're going to magnify. This isn't the only time we're going to do it. This isn't the only way we're going to do it. But right now, just practically, some of us need to look despair in the face and say, today, I'm going to magnify the Lord. Let's magnify the Lord with me. I'm going to exalt his name. I don't feel like it, but I need to. I don't understand how, but I believe he can trade the despair in my life for a garment of praise. God, would you come today? Would you move? Would you heal? Would you restore? Would you redeem? Would you renew us from the inside out? We're not going to wait for our circumstances to change to praise you. We're not going to wait for our feelings to change to praise you. Right now, we're going to allow you to take the despair in our hearts, in our lives, and exchange it for a garment of praise that we're going to wear around no matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on. We choose to praise, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.